Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, everybody? It's Trey Smith back with another episode of the College Game Time Podcast. Thank you so much for watching or for listening. We are already at 31 episodes. Seems like we just started this thing yesterday. My, how team, my, my oh my, how time has flown by. Uh, we are at nearly 80,000 streams overall. Hopefully, we'll hit 100,000 streams fairly quickly. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. We've got a lot to get to today on this fun-filled Friday. Happy Friday. I hope everyone's looking forward to a college football Saturday tomorrow. But if you're an American Athletic fan, your college football weekend started last night, which we will talk about. We'll continue tonight, which we'll also talk about. And then tomorrow, I think at 1 p.m. Central Time are when the games get kicked off for the American Athletic Conference. But, um, okay, I got a lot to get to today. So I'm going to start with what I said I would start with yesterday, which is the linear programming, okay? So linear programming for week three of the G5 conferences. I'm going to give you Saturday only, then I'll include Thursday and Friday. So that for Saturday only, the MAC conference has six linear games. The Mountain West Conference has six linear games. The Sun Belt has five. The American has four. And Conference USA has three. Now, that's just for the Saturday lineup. If we do the full slate, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then as we get into the season, the MAC will also have, uh, is it Tuesday or Wednesday, MACtion, and then, of course, the Mountain West usually has some Friday night spots as well, but if we include uh, last night and tonight, you've got the American with two more games, which are both on ESPN primetime, um, which would bump them to six, so the full weekend, the, the most amount of linear games for a G5 conference is six games, and that's the MAC, the Mountain West, and the American. The Sun Belt has five. Conference USA has three. As I said last week when I first started doing this, I get it. This, this is heavily influenced by Power 5 matchups and their media deals. So I'll continue to do it as we get into conference play. There was some feedback I received that um, – Almost as if they, the, the feedback didn't realize I was already taking that into consideration, which I felt like I addressed on the episode, but maybe I didn't do it clearly enough. So I'm, I just said, I'll continue to do it all throughout the year so we can see, all right, which G5 conference throughout the course of a season is getting the most linear exposure. Um, so I'll leave it at that. But that's your linear programming for uh, week three of college football. Uh, the second thing I want to touch on real quick is the Charlotte Mining for Greatness docuseries on ESPN Plus. Episode two aired last night. Guys, it was phenomenal. Episode one was okay, but episode two was really, really good. Even if you're not a Charlotte fan, I would encourage you to go watch it just so you can see more of the story behind Biff Pogey and his players. Um, it's just so unique. 
he, he spent decades in the Baltimore, you know, the Maryland area as a high school coach. Very, very successful at two different schools. Started one from scratch. Used his own money to help scholarship and support players um, as far as getting into that school. He coached guys like Blake Corum, the running back at Michigan. Then he goes to Michigan for a couple seasons and he even shared a story about his conversation with Harbaugh as far as him wearing him, him saying how he wears shorts on, on game day. Um, and now he's at Charlotte and he's turned over that roster. And so many of those guys on his team now played for him when he was the head coach at St. Francis Academy. And it just, it was a really well done episode. And I think it's a good watch. It's only 30 minutes. So if you've got ESPN plus go, go, uh, go check that out. And Hey, it's good publicity for the conference, obviously. All right, next thing. Yesterday's conversation, man, it's still going right now. I love it. I talked about, you know, my hot board for five teams. But some people, man, some of y'all have made some arguments that now have me rethinking a couple of things. Um, I think the most consistent ones that I saw that I, I, I either I just didn't really think about enough or as I saw it come across my YouTube comments or on Twitter, I thought, you know what, that's a really good option, man. And that's Buffalo. And I've talked about Buffalo on here before, but really just getting into the Mac footprint altogether, whether it be Buffalo, Ohio, uh, someone talked about Northern Illinois, even though they recently haven't been all that, they, they do have a pretty strong history if we get to the the early mid 2000s um so I, I but I like that Buffalo you know they've got the AAU representation there good good football program good location um and then of course the other one that people have brought up were Air Force and we've kind of been talking about that as we've gone into this army rabbit trail you know if the American is able to get army would that open up the door for them to get the air get Air Force as well that opens up a completely different conversation that I might dive into a little more deeply next week, just as it pertains to what's going to happen with the Mountain West here, right? We talked about the court case with the pack a couple days ago. If the pack refuses to merge and chooses to poach and they just take their top selections from the Mountain West and kind of leaves those bottom mid-tier teams hanging, could that open up a door for something? Could, could that open the door for westward expansion uh, for the American, or is that door completely shut? Don't want to get into that today, but that's just kind of a teaser of a conversation I think we could have maybe next week uh, when we're talking realignment and expansion. But yeah, I mean, I would love to have all three service academies, personally. I don't know, though, if that fully opens that door. I'm just not sure. I think it, there's a lot of factors that would influence that that I think we could talk about later. Okay. Now, let's get to some football for a second. Memphis and Navy kicked off conference play last night. And I, I got to tell you, I put this on my Twitter. I, and if you don't follow me, at I'm Trey Smith, I'd encourage you to do that, or X, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm pretty interactive on, on that platform, kind of like I am here on YouTube. So if you have Twitter or have X, go follow me, at I'm Trey Smith. But here's what my final like takeaway from that game was. Say what you want about the American Athletic Conference. You can act like you're too good for it because you're so wrapped up in this cycle of realignment. But last night was as good of a game as we'll see all weekend. And it was against a team that is projected to 
possibly win the conference or at least finish towards the top of the conference versus a team who's projected to finish towards the bottom of the conference. That's good football. And it was a sloppy game. It was was a great game. It was an exciting game. Um, Obviously, there was a part of me that was pulling for Memphis just because... I feel like Memphis is one of those teams we need to separate from the pack as it pertains to end of season, New Year's six bids. Not saying they're the one that's going to get it, but we need them to keep winning now. But man, I'd have been okay with Navy pulling that upset off. Uh, Navy was playing hard. They were prepared. Their defense looked stout. Their offense did what they did. But as I said last earlier this week, you know, two things about Memphis. One, this was a trap game. And two, can they stop the run? Right, I've been high on their defense, but I've been very clear to qualify that with we got to see it against better competition, and the X factor is going to be can they stop the run? I don't have much concerns with Memphis's secondary, but can they stop the run? If they could stop the run this year, um, they're going to be a force defensively. Well, last night wasn't a very good showing of stopping the run, but I'm not ready to just throw the towel in on them and say, ah, oh, they suck, they still can't stop the run, they can't tackle, blah, 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 even though that's what they put on the field last night. First off, as I said last night and earlier this week, nobody wants to play Navy on a short week. And here's what I mean when I say that. Look at it from a linebacker's perspective, okay? You've probably spent all fall camp, including the first two games of the season, getting reps against spread sets that are mostly zone running schemes, right? Inside zone, outside zone. Now you have mid zone, uh, wide zone, zone read, Right, that's what you're getting reps against. And when you're a linebacker, you know, just to give you some very surface level information about the game is you're not watching the ball. You're reading linemen. So if you're an inside backer, you're looking at the guards every play. If you're an outside backer, you're looking at the tackles or the tight ends every play. And usually with these different schemes, it's pretty simple. I'm either fitting my gap, I'm scraping over the top with a lot of those zone looks as far as what the linemen do because it's either some sort of a combo block or you see a shoulder turn. You know, If you're an outside backer, don't get reached to something you'll hear a lot. Or if you see a down block, you know, you know if my guy leaves, another guy's coming. You know, there's just some... A lot of, of, of familiarity across the landscape of college football as far as what we see offensively. So then you have three days, three, four days to prepare for a completely different looking system. Okay, now your keys are doing something different than what you've been seeing. Now you've got guys coming right at you every play that you don't necessarily have in, 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 as far as what you've been practicing. And, and I liken it to this. Think about a basketball team. Every basketball team, no matter how much firepower they have on offense, particularly at the college level, or I'm mainly talking at the college level, when they come up against a team that runs a zone defense for the first time, typically that is that that team's worst offensive performance, right? So let's say it's a really good, highly ranked team that's a really good offense, and they run into a zone team early in the season that might be lesser competition. Well, it's just something different than what they've seen. You don't usually spend the majority of your practice time getting reps against zone defenses in basketball. You're usually working your man offense and and sets and things. Not that you don't have anything for a zone, but you see that for the first time and it's kind of like a whoa. And you get almost a little paralysis by analysis. You force, you, you, you don't shoot the ball as well. And so you can't judge a team's offense 
or how good their offense is based off how they played against a zone defense for the first time in any season of basketball. That's my opinion, and I think there's statistics that could prove that. Same kind of way I'm looking at this Memphis defense. I'm sure there was a lot of paralysis by analysis. You got guys hitting you in the mouth every single play. Okay, Navy is a tough team to play against for defenses because you have to tackle every single play. When you're playing against these spread teams, you may get a three and out on three passes. If I'm a linebacker, I didn't have to hit anybody. I just played my zone coverage. Maybe I blitzed, rushed the passer. But against Navy, man, you're getting you're, you're making contact every play of that game. And so I'm not ready to throw the talent on them. Was it a poor performance? Yes. Okay, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But I'm also trying to take into consideration that, hey, Let's see how they look as the season continues to play out. When they get back to playing some, you know, more traditional in the modern day terms, versions of offense. Now, one thing about Drinkwitz at Missouri, say what you want about him. Think what you want about him. That dude can scheme up a run scheme game plan as good as any coach in the country. So I'm curious to see what he comes out with next week in the run game after seeing Memphis's performance last night. Um, and I guess on the basketball side too, think about like the, the Bayheim Syracuse zone, right? You know, how does Syracuse go from, you know, a 10 seed to the final four, you know, every other year for a window of time there? Well, it's because what they do is different and what they have is different and it's difficult to prepare for on, 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 on a short turnaround and, it's hard to simulate that in practice because you don't really have that type of personnel. You don't have that type of scheme. So anyways, I'm not trying to sound like I'm making excuses for Memphis, but I am trying to just shed some practical light on what I think happened with the defense. Now, does it excuse missing tackles the way they miss tackles? No, I'm just trying to give you another side of it. If you're a Memphis fan or even a non-Memphis fan, it's like their defense sucks or their run defense does. I'm not ready to say that yet. I want to see a little bit more. Um, and I'm going to take into consideration that what they played against was, was much different than what they've likely been preparing for up to this point in the season and then what they'll be having to prepare for for the rest of the season. Uh, but they escaped the trap. They're 3-0. and Now they've got Missouri, Boise back-to-back. And I think these are going to be really big games, not just for Memphis, but for the AAC because I think should Memphis get a couple dubs here, they're going to be in, they're going to be ranked, and, and deservedly so. Well, speaking of um, the triple option offense and having to prepare for it on a short week and what kind of bind that can put defenses in, let's talk about tonight's game: UTSA and Army. Army's offense has has a little bit more spread looks now. They're still running. The triple option, that's still their staple. That's still their base offense, but they're running it out of more looks, um, which can also be hard to prepare for on a short week. And even though it's not as short as a Thursday night game, still a Friday night game. It does kind of push everything back a day if you're UTSA. Listen, though, UTSA's defense has looked great against Houston. UTSA's defense looked great against Texas State. Let's see how they look against this Army team. But if you're a UTSA fan and guys are missing tackles, and guys seem to be out of position or misaligned, don't freak out. Just understand 
This is their first look this year at something that's very different that they won't have to look at again until they play Navy. I don't even know if they play Navy this year. I'd have to look at the schedule, but I'm just saying, like, don't freak out. Just like I said about Memphis, take care of business. Hopefully they get the offense rolling. Not sure what's going to go with Frank Harris. He's a game-time decision. Sounds like he's dealing with turf toe. Let the offense do enough. Defense just, just hang in there. Uh, I thought Memphis in the second half defensively played better than the first half. I think, you know, I, I say that, but they got some, I should say, opportune turnovers in the second half. Um, but, you know, I think that this game tonight is going to be a good game. Um, and I, I hope UTSA pulls it out. This could be a good look at what we have as a future conference game uh, starting next year. But I feel like UTSA Army usually play each other well. It's usually a good game. It's at the Dome. It's Friday night. It's on ESPN, prime time. So uh, hopefully UTSA gets it done and, um, you know, moves to 2-1 and one heading into this big matchup with Tennessee. But like I said, don't, don't let yourself get trapped. I don't think this is as big of a quote-unquote trap as what Memphis was dealing with, but... Um, Hopefully they come ready to play. Speaking of Army, we got an update yesterday from Pete Thamel, at Pete Thamel on Twitter. He said, sources, Army and the AAC are continuing to progress in their talks about Army joining the league as a football-only member. A realistic timeline for a decision is the end of the month. There's optimism on both sides as they dive further into the details to figure out a potential arrangement. The Army-Navy game would be a non-conference game if Army joins the AAC and still be played after the season. So, if that's the case, the details he said that they're having to figure out likely are pertaining to the marketing of the conference affiliation for that game since it's not going to be a conference game in the season and I know I know there's there's split feelings on on that issue alone half of you wish think it should be a conference game played earlier and half of you think the game shouldn't be touched fair enough but either way there needs to be some sort of conference affiliation marketing that happens on that game particularly with the amount of eyes that are on it then I say the other part is the, the, the media, the, the, the television rights for the game, right? The Army-Navy has its own contract with CBS Sports right now, which is up in 2028. Is that something that can be negotiated out of early to where it can become a part of the ESPN package that the American Conference has? Now, likely that game, the revenue of that game will still go towards those two teams, Rightfully so. But if you have that game as a part of your conference package, could you negotiate a more lucrative deal that even with that revenue going to its respective teams, the overall deal still benefits the rest of the conference, if that makes sense. Meaning, okay, we know the revenue of this game is going to go to these two teams. However, the fact that we have this game as a part of our conference package can it help us get a more lucrative deal overall, even if it's just a little bit of a bump for the rest of the teams in the conference? So I would imagine those are those details that are still being ironed out. I don't think this is done though, guys. 
uh, personally and gals. I don't think this is done yet. I think that there, there's some things that need to be, but who knows? Maybe there's going to be a big announcement tonight right before kickoff that Army's joining the AAC. <laughs> oh, all right. Okay. Well, let me get to my quick preview for the Saturday slate. And, and I'll try to do this in less than three minutes for time's sake. Uh, the bounce back, my bounce back teams this week are Temple and the UAB defense. I would like to see Temple play a full, complete game and possibly win comfortably. I think they need that for their own confidence. If UAB defense comes to play, I think they get the win. I think if UAB's defense bounces back against, is it Louisiana? I think they win that game. Zeno and, and Mortensen seem to be in a very good rhythm with that offense. Hopefully they don't get down early and have to play from behind. But... I'm calling for a bounce back from UAB's defense. Now, the team that is in most need of a bounce back is ECU. But Pirate fans, I, I, I don't have a good feeling about this one going into Boone. But that might be a good thing because sometimes when I don't have a good feeling about it, the opposite happens. Just like sometimes when I have a good feeling, the opposite happens. So I'm still pulling for ECU. I'm just I'm nervous about that one. My bold prediction I'm going to say USF on ABC covers the spread against Bama. I said it. I think they cover the spread. What is it, 32 and a half? I don't have it in front of me. I think they cover the spread against Bama. And who knows? Maybe they, they, it's competitive for a half. But that's my bold prediction. The most significant game for me, the team that needs to win, that it's most significant for the conference that they win is Tulane. Now, should they win? Yes. But Southern Miss is no pushover. Okay? Tulane needs to win this game. We need Tulane to get back to their winning ways and, and, and be one of the top teams in the conference. Um, and so this is a must win, especially as this thing starts to play out. I, you know, I, I see Tulane. I see Memphis. I see SMU and possibly UTSA, if they're healthy, um, starting to maybe separate from the pack. And like I said uh, last week or earlier this week, I still got my eyes on you, Rice. I still got my eyes on you. Upset alert. Hey, I'm going to put Clemson on upset alert. Yeah, I said it. I said it last week that FAU needed to avoid the trap game against Ohio because after watching Clemson play Duke, they probably started thinking, man, we might win this game and start to overlook a really good Mac team that was coming to town, and they lost that game. Now I'm flipping it, and I'm saying Clemson's on upset alert. FAU's bouncing back. Tom Herman gets back to his giant slayer ways, goes into Death Valley, and comes out with a dub. I might end up looking stupid for that, but I don't care. I'm calling for it. Clemson, you're on upset alert. And then, of course, the trap game of the week we just had, which I had, was in Memphis. And thankfully, for the conference's sake, Memphis escaped the trap. All right, that is it for today. Would love your thoughts in the comments, as always. Thank you so much for your support. If you're listening on one of the streaming platforms, please, please, please give it a five-star rating. Leave a review. I would greatly, sincerely appreciate that as we continue to become the fastest growing show for the American Athletic Conference. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for watching. Have a great Friday. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your college football tonight and tomorrow. And those of you that are checking out some high school football tonight, enjoy that as well. And I will see you all, barring an emergency pod, 
I'll see you all Monday. That's it for me today. Trey Smith, College Game Time. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.